Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. Well, you know what? I'm so proud of our church um, making the step out of COVID into the altar boy. All those that are serving and giving and our teams. Come on, let's thank God. Really am. You know, as I'm down there looking at our worship team and our serve teams and for you coming out, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm just thankful to God. Uh, just to say before Linda reads the scriptures that we're going to preach from today is our midweek services, like the prayer meeting, is at Gladstone Road. It's just the Sunday services that we're going to be having here now uh, and then we'll review at the end of the year. But we're so excited and thank God for the people that's helping us here. So, if you're ready. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, then um, please turn to 1 Samuel. And it's chapter 16 and verses 14 to 23. Now, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel much better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Very important. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you, Lord God, that you will minister to us. Lord, let the word of God dwell in our hearts. Lord, we just pray that we respond, our hearts open, as already have been prayed this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's just recap very quickly from last week. So we're talking about the journey of David, journey of kingship, and obviously in two sermons you really can't unravel David's journey, but we're going to just give an overview and some thoughts from the passages that we've read from last week and this week. Last week we said that God can use you. I hope that stuck with you last week. We talked about being available, and as I look back at the message and re-looked at it and listened to it, I remember pausing and saying that availability is really important. I use the illustration that, you know, somebody um, wants to take a nation, but they are not available. And I, I use the, the, the analogy of saying not available on Sunday. Now, nobody's emailed me, nobody's talked to me, but I, I also understand that, that Sunday's not the only day to be available for God, and that some people actually work on Sunday. So please let me uh, encourage you that uh, what I was trying to say, your availability is that an attitude to serve God when you actually are available. And uh, so, But Sunday is the main time that we come together. And also, the last point that I mentioned about servanthood, 
sometimes doing things that nobody else wants to do. And I finished and started by saying that God is watching you. So let's continue on our next um, few journeys that we can see from what we've read today from the scriptures. And the first thing I want to say to you is this. Do not underestimate the power of recognition from others. You know, God is watching us, but also people are watching us. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He's a brave man, a warrior, and he speaks well, and he's a fine-looking man. You know, I want to encourage you that our worship is not only towards God, but also towards other people. The first two commands is to love God with all your heart, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to help you understand the opportunities that come in our lives, recognition that comes in our lives, actually comes from other people. The opportunities in our lives to serve God and especially to get to this platform today is not only with God's approval but also with man's approval. It was an invitation from my leader to invite me and Linda to come for an interview to this church. It was a, 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 um, a challenge from our, my elder in the first year and our pastor to consider Bible college. So I want to say to you, your assignment is not only attached to God's approval but also people's approval around your life. Let's look at the scriptures to confirm this. So in, in Moses' time, he needed some help. And God said to him, bring me 70 elders who are known as leaders around you, who are known. In other words, there was a recognition from Moses of those people that God was going to use in, in the ministry over his life. Acts chapter 6 the twelve gathered in the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word and prayer in order for us to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit. See, what I'm trying to say to you is that do not dismiss the power of recognition from those that are around you in your workplace, in your home, and also in your church. The Apostle Paul helps us to understand the significance of the power of recognition for ministry in our journey. On the contrary, in, in Galatians 2, they recognized that they had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, Paul, but who recognized that on earth? Who was there in a, in, in a context of authority, recognized the call of God on your life? Was it just you and God? I have a lot of people tell me God's got a call on my life. Well, who else is recognizing it with flesh on? Who else is, is seeing the evidence of the gift of God in your life? And this is what Paul says. It says, James, Peter, and John, those esteemed to be his pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me, and they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles not uh, uh, to preach the gospel. Please do not underestimate the power of recognition in your life. Do you know it's really important that other peoples affirm the talent and the gift 
on your life to other people. You know, when you are looking for someone to do something in your house, there was something on internet called Trust a Trader. Anybody recognize that? What was that for? That's because there are people's recommendation of the work that's been carried out for something that you want in your home or in your life. So you'll go on Trusted Trader and the stars ratings by other people. Now they can tell you they're the best carpenter or the best plumber in the world, but I want to know, does anybody recommend your work? Come on, speak to me, because it will save you a lot of money and also looking for someone else to repair what they've made a mess of. Come on, speak to me. Uh, you can speak to me behind your mask, that's okay. But I want you to know that trust a trader. And I want to say to you, sometimes we need to trust a Christian. Come on. Amen. Oh, come on. I want to make you laugh today as well as talk some sense to us. And so it's really important that we have recommendation, good feedback that, that will be in our lives. You know, the second thing that we can see in this journey is that he was eager to serve somebody else's vision or ministry. I've never known anyone to do anything great in the kingdom without them actually serving somebody else's mission or vision. You know, he could have said, well, you know, I'm anointed as king now, as I said last week. You know, I really don't need to serve the person that I'm going to take over in whenever God's ready. I don't need to serve him. I'm anointed now. God's left him. In fact, so much so as an evil spirit visiting his life, wouldn't that be a good case to justify your, your walk with God and say, well, he, he is now being visited by a, an, a, an evil spirit and the Holy Spirit's with me. Why should I even bother serving his agenda? And, you know, we can get like that. But, you know, it was, it was David at a heart after God. Luke 16 says, and if you have not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? You know, you're the test of the journey of David that no matter how much the anointing was on his life and the call of God and the recognition from others, he was willing to submit to serve somebody else's journey until God was ready to release him into his future. It says, and verse 21, and David came to, and entered his service. I love that about David. He didn't say, no, I don't need sheep ministry anymore. You know, I'm going to serve where I'm going to help. He says, whenever the spirit of the God came on Saul, David would take up his harp and play. Relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. He didn't plan, please listen to me, he didn't plan to get rid of Saul by himself. He could have actually said that. He could have had a case for that. He didn't get around the people in, 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 in Saul's area of influence and start to whisper in their ear, do you know I'm going to become king soon and you'll be serving me? So let's get rid of him now. Let's get there quicker. You know, I've seen too many Christians trying to run ahead of God with a call of gift on their life. You have to manage the, what's going on in your heart, your vision, your passion. You have to wait for the timings of God or else you can begin to do things in your own strength and actually it becomes messy. And also, sometimes it's actually more about you than about you fulfilling God's purpose in your life. And so I want you to know that, that he was willing to serve somebody else's mission and vision. Third thing that we can see very clearly here, that he was patient and he managed the process of his responsibility really well. In other words, you know, I've experienced that when God speaks to you, about purpose and about vision, 
vision. Usually it's a lot further in the future than it is now. I remember when God spoke to us about going to Bible college. I thought it was like we need to go yesterday because it's so strong when God speaks to you about your purpose and about future. I, I ran into the pastor's office. I said, I need to speak to you. I said, God spoke to us yesterday and we've got to go to Bible college like yesterday. And he said to me, why don't you take 12 months and begin to study, you know, <laughs> I hardly read the Bible then, and, and see if God's hand is upon you. And I continued to manage the ministry that was given to me, which wasn't profile, that wasn't limelight, and I began to manage the, the future call with faithfulness and begin to hand over what God gave me to do well. I've seen too many Christians in church all of a sudden get a revelation from God and then leave behind what their responsibility is. And they, and they leave the, what they're carrying and it becomes no longer useful for God and it ends up either stopping or, or no longer um, being useful um, for the church or for the mission. Interesting to know when you read the scriptures, it said Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send your son, David, who is with the sheep. Remember, he's just been anointed in front of all of his brothers to be the next king. But he didn't let go of his responsibility. He managed it like a baton, walking with God and allowing God to make the next step for him. It says in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul into battle, the army. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep. Can you believe the attitude of David? That here is the next king, but he's going from back to his dad's responsibility, back to Saul playing worship, back, back to his dad doing other things. And there he's allowing the process of God to work out things in his life. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in care of a shepherd. Very important that when we hand ministry over, we need to make sure we put it in the hands of somebody that's going to take it further than we have actually given it them to. He didn't put the, the, the sheep in the hands of a butcher. He put the sheep in the hands of a shepherd. In other words, somebody that could manage that ministry so he then could be released to do something else for God. And we're not really good at that in church because we just want to get rid of the stuff that we think that's, not, that's no longer any, any part of our life. But, you know, God is watching us and we must take responsibility of the little things before we then grab hold of the big things. I like it when, when his dad said, I want you to go and take some bread to your brothers. It says that he took and he gave it to the keeper of supplies so he was he was very mindful of who he handed his responsibility to because when he came back for his supplies he wanted to make sure that there was intact and not eaten and sometimes our responsibility isn't how we do the handover how we manage what we've got now into our next season of ministry making sure that the baton is passed that that will keep going now in, in some cases some ministries will have to die and we understand that but when they are when they are growing and going you need to make sure they keep going and so we've got to pray Lord send me the right person who am I going to give this ministry to it's not so much about availability it's both availability and gifting is really important how we manage the things in life of a church okay so it's important how we manage these things if we don't manage these seasons we will miss the next opportunity in God how do I know that because just before David was going to go to his next season of influence and that was to kill Goliath have a guess what he was doing 
He wasn't doing worship. He wasn't doing sheep ministry. His dad asked him to take cheese sandwiches to his brothers who hated him. He was actually doing a Deliveroo ministry. Deliveroo. Yeah, but I'm anointed to be king. But because he, he, he managed what was placed into his life, he was delivering. And as he did that, in obedience, managed well, he heard voices talking about, De- about Goliath and he got involved. And at that moment, the, God opened the door for him to take the head off Goliath and move to his next season of ministry. Now that's how we need to make sure we have humility enough to make sure that we just say, I'm too big now for the delivery ministry. I'm too big now for the sheep ministry. I'm too big now for whatever the worship. You know, it's not about being too big. It's about the responsibility that God places into your hands and our faithfulness and also fruitfulness. Amen? Because faithfulness does equal fruitfulness. And I want to see that in our lives. So David now moves and transitions his journey in patience. Let God open the door, faithful in what he's been given, hands them over to other people. And now he's ready to move closer to to his, his function in kingship. So are we okay? Good. Only a couple more points and I'm finished. But this is where we, we come into land now because the last point is the most serious point. And where I feel the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us. But here's number four, I think it is. David was good with people. This is really important. David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul liked him very much. We sometimes skip over that. That it doesn't matter as long as what God thinks, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. Absolute rubbish. It's important what other people think about you. Your reputation goes before you. And if people don't like you, people won't follow you. Don't care how anointed you are, what title you got. And then he says this, Can you allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. It's really important that we develop people skills, especially when we're in the service of people. If you're involved in church, we're not in a business trying to make money. We're here in the business of helping people. So if we're helping people, we better be good at handling people. Amen? You know, the scripture got a lot to say about that. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. And man. Have you forgot about that? It's not about having the favour of God and we're not on about being people pleasers but when you're walking under the favour of God it's got to rub off on you on people. That's, the, that's what happens. When you walk into the favour of God it will automatically help you get favour with people and listen, how we manage ourselves with other people is really important. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And sometimes I think in church life, we don't think it's important how we are with people. It's really important how we respond to one another, how we react to one another, how we talk to one another. It's really important because that is about influence. In fact, Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, somebody who wants to actually come into eldership in a church, they must have a good reputation with outsiders. In other words, they must be spoken well of with those that don't go to church. And the biggest obstacle that we have 
in, in, in sometimes in church life is that people haven't got a problem with God, but they have got a problem with people. Come on. People can usually trace their success, John Maxwell says, and failures to relationships in their lives. Success, he says, mainly is done with someone else. So no matter how big your dream is, no matter how big your goal and vision is, no matter how anointed you are, you can't fulfill it on your own. It's going to take people to help you. No matter how, you know, if you're a millionaire today, you haven't got there on your own. It's others that's helping you get there. And he talks about failures. Seven out of ten people lose their jobs because of a personality conflict. Wow. Now, in church life, apart from legitimate reasons of, of like leaving church, which is loads of them, but I wonder if we were to take a little survey of all the churches in the UK and ask people why they really left church, I'm not sure it's because they fell out with God. But I wonder if it's because they fell out with someone else. Very rare that people will come and say, you fell out with God, that's why I've left church. But they might just say, didn't like sister so-and-so, or brother so-and-so, or the pastor other leaders, some relationship is attached to their departure. And I tell you, we've got to get better at being good with people. A good book by John Maxwell is called Winning with People. You've got to read it. It's really helpful. You know, it's really helpful how we can do better with people. He says this, that he had some applications for jobs that were sent to him. He says, this person said, it's best for employers if I don't work with people. That would have been helpful, wouldn't it? Must have been a monk. And then it, one person says, please do not exclude my last 14 jobs as job hopping. He said, I have never quit a job. No, but you definitely got sacked. <laughs> he spoke well of David. Someone says this, in fact, it was John Maxwell or somebody else. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. The anointing is not a substitute for arrogance. Is that all right? You can still be anointed and polite. You can still be anointed and kind. You can still be anointed and carry a spirit of humility. In fact, the hallmark is love. So you can be as gifted as much as you like, but you have not love, you are nothing. And so that's why it's important that we've got to get better how we manage people. Because listen to this, you teach people how to treat you. You teach people how to treat you. So the first person that we must examine is always ourselves. Self-awareness is very common, or yeah, common I think sometimes, is a good healthy view of who we are. Not only our gifting, but also our weaknesses. Do, are we self-aware? Um, do we know ourselves a bit better? You know, since I've become to know Jesus, 
over 30 years, it's not just a journey about knowing Jesus. It's also a journey about knowing me. Have you ever, have you ever bumped into yourself like you didn't know? Is it, am I talking to myself today? Is it just me that, that one day I didn't know I could do that? I didn't know I was like that. Or somebody mentioned something to you about you and you go, it's not me. Have, has anybody ever identified you and you didn't know it was you? And it's like, 20 years, have I been like that for 20 years? Is that really me? And, and, you know, it's like, my goodness, thank you for being so patient with me, Linda. For 30 years, I didn't really know, realize you had to deal with that, with me, that part, version of me. Thank God that the process of change is happening. And I'm self-aware to begin to change that. Number two, you have to have a good self-image. If you haven't got a good self-image, lots of issues happen. What I'm talking about that is not arrogance or pride, but a good understanding of who you are in Christ, that you're secure in him, there is child, that you've been accepted, adopted, that you, you know, you, you've been given every spiritual blessing, and there's a good foundation, because the thing is this, if, if you don't think well about you, it'll be very difficult for you to think well about somebody else. If you don't believe in you, it's very unlikely you won't believe in anyone else because of insecurity and it's all about you and trying to feed, feed your, in, you know, your insecurity. And so you have to have a good self-image that, you know, who I am in Christ, I'm accepted by God and his love for me. And out of that, then you can begin to do that towards others. And lastly, self-honesty. Make sure we look into the mirror because the hardest person to lead is ourselves. I am the hardest person to lead. Not my team, not people on my team, not, not, not the church. I am the hardest person to lead. You are the hardest person to lead in your life. Jesus said, before you begin to take a plank, uh, a speck out of somebody else's eye, make sure you deal with a plank in your own. In other words, make sure that we're, we're looking at ourselves first before we begin to deal with other people. Make sure that we're self-aware of ourselves it's all, you know, make the change start with me and then we'll be more healthy to minister life to other people. So, four, you've got, we've got to get better with people. It's got to happen. Um, we've got to be more kind. We've got to, you know, we're not talking about being a doormat, but I'm saying that, we, we, you know, we're representing the Lord and uh, we, we're supposed to be, the, you know, operating in love and kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, and all those other things that are attached to that in our lives. And finally, say amen. I'm doing really well on time. Are you ready for this one? Because this is, this is pretty tough, this next one. But I really believe that God wants to minister to us today. David, this was the hardest for David. It's going to be the hardest for me and you too. David responded the right way when he was mistreated by other people. This is the hardest one if you're going to follow God. Because let me give you a prophecy. Somebody in the church and outside the church will upset you. Go on, wave. Let me tell you now. So you have to prepare yourself for that moment. In fact, some of you already have experienced that in your walk with God already. You could say, I could write a book on it. And that's cool. But David had to manage mistreatment well if he was going to get to the throne. And this is where many Christians lose out because they don't know how to handle offense. 
And we have to navigate. Let me tell you, if you're going to do anything great for God, you are going to get accused. You're going to get gossiped about. It's, listen, you don't get many people patting you on the back for wanting to go for God. So expect it. And so when we look at David, his first person that should have encouraged him was his older brother, but it's the older brother that ridiculed him. All he was doing was asking about this giant that was, you know, having a go at the people of God. He's going, is nobody going to do anything about this? And what did Eliab, his older brother, say to him? He said he burned with anger and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? See, intimidation. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to ask about the, the, the military ministry when you've left the if you left the sheep with your responsibility I know how conceited you are and wicked your heart is wow you only came down here to watch the battle no 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 he never no he didn't come down to watch the battle he came down to see how you were he came down to bring you sandwiches from his dad but he also came down not to watch the battle he came to battle and you judged him, older brother. And do you know what David didn't do? And this is what we must do. When you have people around you that's jealous of the gift on your life and the call of God, and they're angry because you're doing so well in Jesus, you cannot get in conversation with that kind of person. So what did the Bible say? David turned away and spoke to someone else. You have to find people that when you tell them about your dreams and your vision, that they won't be like the older brother that will try and kill you, but they'll be like Elizabeth, that will leap in their spirit about your dream and start to say, thank God for your dreams and your vision. I'm going to help you get there. You have to navigate because let me tell you, in church life, people will get jealous. Other people outside who don't know any different will, will say all kinds of things about us. But we have to learn, listen, we have to learn not to get engaged with the conflict when you can't reason with somebody that's so angry or jealous. But you have to turn away. Keep your dream. Keep it, keep it burning in your heart. Get entangled with that kind of spirit will kill you. In fact, the Bible tells us some journey that we have to do because let me tell you, as I said, somebody in church is going to upset you. What, what's the process? What's our responsibility? Matthew 18 says that when your brother or sister offends you or sins against you, this is the first step. You need to go to them first. And sometimes in church life, they're probably the last person we go to. We go to Facebook and we go to our friends and we tell them how bad these people are. We bypass scripture, our reconciliation journey of those who offend us. So the first thing is we go to them and we point out what they've done in a right spirit, not with a retaliation thing. And we say, hey, did you realize that what you said? You know, I think I may have got offense. Are we okay? And if that doesn't work, is to take somebody else with you, a witness of what's gone on, somebody that's not going to um, team up on the person and beat them up, but have some kind of a spirit of, you know, we're here together to help this journey. Was there something that was out of line? Let's deal with it. And then the Bible says, if that doesn't work, go to the church. Go to the leadership. 
And then if that doesn't work, if, they, if reconciliation can't, then you have to treat them like tax collectors and pagans. In other words, you can't fellowship with that kind of person until they come to their senses. But you cannot carry offence. If you carry offence, your, your, your mission will be on hold. David learned how to navigate, but then he comes to another level, and I'm finished. He comes to another level of misuse towards David from his boss. David wanted to serve him. David knew he was going to have his position eventually, but he, he never carried that in his heart. He said, I'm going to serve you, Saul, till God's ready to put me in that position. But here's the problem with Saul couldn't handle the success of somebody else's ministry. You'll always find if people that cannot manage somebody else's success, there's a spirit of jealousy that has attaches them to, to them. Because when he heard the crowds singing David's praise for his victory, he couldn't cope with it. And insecure leaders cannot cope with somebody else's blessing on their life. Our prayer in this church is that you will go further than we ever did in our lives. But Saul couldn't handle David getting all the praise for his victories for the Lord. And it says from that day, David kept a jealous eye on him. So much so that as David was in his presence making him feel better. See, ministry is for others to making them feel better, not us. And as David was, was, was worshipping and, and, and removing the evil spirit from Saul, Saul was so jealous, filled his heart that he got a spear to try and kill him. And the Bible says that David eluded him twice. Is the next step when you go to another level of, a, of, of misuse or abuse in our lives. You need to get away out of the road of that person. You do not stay there, keep getting the abuse. You do not stay there, keep getting mistreated. Now, I'm not obviously giving the license. I'm not talking. I'm talking about you, 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 just because you're a Christian doesn't mean to say you can keep getting used by people. David get out, got out of his way. I'm not going to get in the way of this man. In fact, if you think about it, he, he thought, if I stay in this man's presence, I'm not going to be around to get the throne. I need to step out of his way. I need, I need God to do something in his life. And until he does, I'm keeping well out of your way. One minute Saul liked him, next minute he's trying to kill him. And now David's on the run out of the kingdom into a desert, miles away from his destination from the throne. But we can see David's response, and there's two more responses that's really important for us. David wasn't silent about the misuse of what happened to him. In fact, he cried out to Saul. He went straight to the source and he said, See my father, look at the piece of your robe in my hand. I cut it off your corner in chapter, uh, chapter 24, 1 Samuel, of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hands to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you. And may the Lord avenge the wrong you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. 
You know, I tell you, in this world right now, voices are being heard of what's happened to them in misuse and abuse. And I want to say to you, it's not wrong for our voices to be heard with injustice. And we've got to be able to be able to speak up in the right spirit towards these kind of things. And David did not keep silent, but he spoke out and in the right spirit, he said, listen, what you're doing is wrong. And I want to get your attention. I'm going to put it into the hands of God. But I am not going to touch you. Here's the thing. David submitted this kind of misuse to a higher authority. And in his case, it was God. There was nobody else in human form around him. Because the only person over him was Saul himself. He couldn't go to Saul. And the only person he could go to was God. And he gave it into the hands of God. But I want to say to you today, when we're dealing with people and in this world, we, we, we take it and we put it into the hands of the authorities that can deal with the level of misuse or abuse in our lives. We can take it to social services and we can put it in their hands. We can take it to the police and put it into their hands. We can take it to the leadership team and put it into their hands because that's our responsibility when things happen like this. But you must not be silent, but we also carry the right spirit, how we speak out. David said, you're wrong. I'm going to submit it to the higher authority. God will deal with you. But he said, I'm, I'm making a decision. And this is what some of you today and on the camera, some of you have to make a decision that you will not take it in your own hands to deal with it. Because in that case, you will carry bitterness. You will carry un uh, unforgiveness. You will, you will carry offence in your life. And David was quick to, to realise that if he carried offence and unforgiveness about the wrongdoing that was done to him, his ministry would have suffered. He had to let it go. Justice needs to be done, but he couldn't carry out the justice. He had to make sure that his heart was protected. Many times in church life and in life in general, we get hurt by other people. And we want revenge and we want justice and that's right, but not to an extent where the inside of us gets so bitter, so twisted so much with the revenge after their heads. Never give room to pass it on to somebody that can deal with it in authority in your workplace, your boss, your manager, whoever it is. In the case of sometimes to the Lord first and those are in authority. Old Joe was dying for years. He had been at odds with Bill. Formerly one of his best friends and waiting to straighten things out, he sent a word to Bill to come to see him. When Bill arrived, Joe told him that he was afraid to go into eternity with such a bad feeling between them. Very reluctantly and with great effort, Joe apologised for the things he had said and done. He also assured Bill that he forgave him for his offences. Everything seemed fine until Bill turned to go. As he walked out the room, Joe called out after him. But remember, if I get better, it doesn't count. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times 
Do I have to forgive my brother and my sister when they offend me? Seven times. And Jesus said, no, no, no. The seven times 70, Peter. In other words, it's an ongoing attitude and characteristic as a follower of Jesus that when those that hurt you with the only response apart from handing it to other people in authority is forgiveness. There is no other. I know it hurts. I know it's not fair, but it wasn't fair that we put Jesus on a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy and, 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 and hate your enemy or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Let me tell you something. If you're going to do anything great for God, you're going to get offended. But how you handle the offense is really, really vital to your progress in ministry. And I believe that the Lord gave me this as we was in our worship right now. He said, I tell the church that I want them to be Teflon Christians. Teflon Christians. That when offense hits their hearts, they'll not allow it to stick. But when you get offended, it will just fall off you. You'll make a decision. I am not going to get offended. I'm not going to overlook the injustice, but I'm not going to allow it to contaminate my heart. I'm going to be a Teflon Christian. John Maxwell says, I have no enemies. Someone said, how can you say that? You're a strong leader. You've got big responsibilities. He said, no, I never said that no one is unhappy with me. He said, I have no enemies. How they treat me is their choice. How I treat them is my choice. Some of you have walked in church today and you're carrying offence from others. I want to say to you, they have followed you around. You've carried them around for too long. And the offence has stuck on you. And today is your opportunity to release yourself and them and for you to move into all that God has for you. So you can handle how you feel about others, but you can never handle how they feel about you. It's our responsibility to manage offence and no matter how it hurts at times and sometimes it sticks to me longer than it should I'm not Jesus sometimes I carry the hurt or the words or, or, or the misunderstanding too long and you know what I've never been at peace as long as I've carried the hurt or the offence it's only when I let it go that I become free. So let's stand together right now. As we come to finish, I wonder if you've walked in church today and offense has stuck on you somewhere. Maybe it's a long time ago. Maybe it's last week. Maybe it's even this morning. I don't know. 
all I can say to you as your pastor today, if I'm your pastor, please don't let it stick. Would you give it into the hands of God? And obviously there's things that you need to hand to other people and authorities and you need to do what you need to do. But right now in the context of our walk with the Lord, the first person that we need to get rid of offence to is Jesus. Because he said you must forgive from the heart. Let me read this over you and then pray. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, loving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Father, all over this building, Lord, those are watching on camera right now. Lord, if we have been carrying offence, Lord, there is a root of bitterness in our hearts. There is revenge, there's retaliation, there's unforgiveness and it's messing our walk up and our destination in God. Would we choose today, let a miracle happen in our hearts? Would we just say, Lord, I know it's painful. I know it's hard to justify, but you can make a choice today. Say, God, even though it's painful, even though they were wrong, I make a choice to unstick them from my heart. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I give them to you. I release them today into your hands. I ask for freedom to come into my life. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. We say to you, every one of you, there's a king and a queen inside of you on a journey for the things of God. Do not let that person stop that journey. Let them go. In Jesus' name we pray.